Christmas. Welcome to Breitbart News Daily. Thanks for being here. We kicked off the show talking about the statue in Arlington that's being torn down. Got to the told all the story all about the statue. I understand how you can how the media can tell about the statue without telling the whole story of the statue and the speeches that were given when the statue was dedicated and what was going on in the country when it was dedicated. And we quoted from William McKinley and we talked about another statue in DC that, that Frederick Douglass was at about Abraham Lincoln. So like, I don't know, uh, it annoys me that, well, I guess that's why we're here, but like, how can you not want to know all that stuff? And you, people write articles, the Washington Post writes an article, just, oh, they're the statue down, good. <laughs> like, what do you mean good? You don't even know. Anyway, we spent the first hour talking about that and uh, you get it. we can only give you one segment, one segment and one guest here because it's all on SiriusXM Patriot. So to hear the rest of the show and to hear that segment, you got to go to SiriusXM Patriot, SiriusXM, and we're on Patreon. Um, and the, but I want to play the second segment we did here, second hour. First segment, second hour. So we had some phone calls after that, hanging out over that. And then we went into kind of a little bit of what we did yesterday about work ethic, but specifically about our military and our military recruitment and how low it is right now and why it's so low. And we got to some really good stuff about that. Here's that segment. talking about uh, the, the tearing down of the statue in Arlington, the Confederate statue. It's a statue of reconciliation. And uh, these, it, was, it was fine to the people of 1900. It was fine for the families of the Union soldiers who died in the Civil War to put this reconciliation statue in the Union Cemetery. But today in 2023, we have to pretend like we're so offended that we have to tear it down. But that's just what the left does. And that's my thesis from the last hour is that the left just destroys. They just tear things down. And deep in my conservative core, I hate destruction. I hate tearing things down. We are to build things up. And we told some stories of that if you're just tuning in. Let's go to Henry, who's in Pennsylvania. What's going on, Henry? Uh, Merry Christmas. To you. Uh, I would like to say that you have a very unique way of presenting stuff and the the whole input from other people's perspective. You ask them and you, you, you value other people's perspectives. Fine people today, you. they are in a me syndrome. They worry about what they're doing every day. The kids are on their devices. How many likes and dislikes do they have on their TikTok? Or they're living in the moment. Uh, they're not experiencing what the older people have experienced. And this whole tearing down the structures, you've gone through it so so many different times on, on the radio, as in you have to understand what the reason it is. You know, why is it there? Why is that fence there? You know, you talked about the, the tiger maybe being on the other side one day. They're, all they're worried about is the, the moment. They don't get enough praise throughout the day. People want praise. You, you know, at work, a solution, you know, that's the gift that you have is that you make us feel value when we call in with our perspective. Maybe the kids, they don't get that perspective of praise. That's why they're looking for their device. And, you know, the, you know, tearing down, maybe the progressive side is you're always hearing negative stuff. 
that's why they're going to their devices and things are, you know, the whole world's perspective has changed and we don't see things in the same way. Yeah, that's really good. Henry, I appreciate that. Thank you, brother. Thank you for the compliment. That's very nice. Um, yeah, so the social medias, this hit me a couple of years ago. The social medias are popular. By the way, we're not going to do the Coco Melon today. I just can't. <laughs> can't do it. I, I have a deep, profound hatred for Coco Melon. Uh, it comes. It's I. 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 Uh, I, <laughs> I feel like I. I would cash it all in. To, to well, you know what? I want to tear down Coco Melon. I will. I, <laughs> I want to destroy everything Coco Melon that exists. So maybe we all have that part. But honestly, but that's why I don't want to talk about it yet. Maybe we'll wait till we get back. Because it'll still be just as evil in a couple weeks too. So um, anyway, that just popped my brain because I was thinking about it, things that are, are addictive. Because people will say, oh, there's 169 million subscribers to Coco Melon. It's the third most popular, most subscribed YouTube channel in the world. Number one is a Hindu Indian uh, music station, or Indian music station. And number two is Mr. Beast. And number three is Coco Melon. It's the most popular thing on Netflix. 600 million hours watched. And people are like, oh, it's popular. Okay. Your first sign that it is evil is that it is popular. <laughs> That's your very first sign to avoid, run away, and put your children nowhere near it. But here I am going on about it. All the social medias are addictive because they each deal with a sin. And sin is all about worship of the self. That's why they're so addictive. That's why they're so popular. Tinder is lust. Yelp is gluttony. LinkedIn is greed. Netflix is sloth. The founder of Netflix says his biggest competitor is sleep. Right? Netflix is sloth. Twitter is wrath. Facebook is envy. And Instagram is pride. That's it. They're all just sins. They're, they're like at their core. That's why they're so addictive. That's why they're so popular. It's all worship of the self. It's all rebellion to God. This, this is all I ask. It's all I ask for the new year. You have to be a Christian. Think of everything that you see in our country today. Look at it all. As, all right, so you, you, keep go, you keep digging down. All right, so you keep, so, I wanted to talk in this segment. I think we can. I want to talk in this segment about our military uh, recruitment and why it's not where it should be. And I got a couple of reasons why. One of them is the worship of the self, as you were talking about. Uh, so, but, so, you, so you keep digging. Okay, so where's, where's the worship? Okay, so why, why is there no military recruitment? Why are we so far behind? Okay, well, there's a lot of worship of comfort, sloth. Okay, well, let's dig down. Why, why do people want a comfort? Well, they, 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 it's about the self and the, being the self happy. Okay, let's dig down. Okay, what's that about? Uh, okay, well, you're, you're, um, um, you're, you're not being sacrificial to others. You're not, right? Okay, let's dig down. So you keep digging and digging and digging it, and it all eventually comes down to the root core bottom of it is rebellion to God. Anything, so I'm an atheist. Go with it. Just go with it. Take it for a while. Just look at it all. It is all rebellion to God. That is the core of everything. This is why people hate the Jews, the Jews are God's chosen people. So, of course, if you hate God, you're going to hate the Jews. 
That's just one example. There's a million of them. It's everywhere. It's all rebellion to God. Slay down a polypium. All right, let's go. Let's do the let's do the military recruitment. So, uh, the military missed its recruitment by forty-one thousand people. We are down sixty-four thousand over the last three years, and our military is now at the smallest it's been since nineteen forty, and not by choice. Like if someone wanted to call in, or if the generals were like, "Oh, well, we have more technology now than ever, so we don't need as many people." Then okay, I guess we can chat about that. That's not what this is. This is we need more people, and we don't have them. Smallest military since 1940. In 1940, our population was 130 million, and now our population is 330 million, and we have the same size military. 200 million fewer people in our country back then. Let me do it the other way. 200 million more people, same size military as 1940. Again, not by choice. 70, this was in 2020. The Pentagon found that 77% of young people are ineligible to even join the military. Because they're overweight, addicted to drugs, or mental illness. So the Air Force lowered their standards. Men can now have a 26, 26% body fat, and women can have 36% body fat in order to join. The Navy had their uh, recruitment effort online to explore the digital environment to reach a wide range of potential candidates. And they had five, uh, five um, ambassadors. And one of them was a drag queen. So the, the, he's, he's a guy in uniform, and then it jump cuts to him in drag. It's like, what, do, what, what the heck is wrong with us? So we're the smallest military we've had since 1940. There's, there's a major, we're paying the cost of having only less than 1% of our country serve in the military. When you have less than 1% of the country serve in the military, there's a lack of appreciation. There's a lack of connection. You may not even know anyone who's served. And when there's a lack of connection, there's a lack of appreciation. And when there's lack of appreciation, there's lack of support. And when you have a lack of support, you're going to have fewer and fewer people ever even think about uh, joining. And then on top of that, we've been raising our young kids to hate this country. 79, there's a Harvard poll the other day. 79% of young people, 18, 24, think that uh, white people are evil. So like by, by nature, like white supremacists by their very nature, 79% of young people, it's crazy, right? So, Along with that is America's evil and America's rotten and America has only done no good. So of course those people aren't going to join. So so your average young person is not going to join the military of a country that is evil. And then you have people on the right that have been the core of military for a long time. And they're now not joining because it's super woke and it's a bunch of drag queens. And it, <laughs> like, why would I want to join that organization? So they're not. So now the latest effort is to get illegal immigrants to join the military. Dick Durbin gave a speech. I got it here. Let me pull it up here. Dick Durbin gave a speech the other day talking about we got to get illegal immigrants. There it is. Her bill, and I hope I describe it accurately, says that if you're an undocumented person in this country, and you can pass the physical and the required test, background test, the like. You can serve in our military, and if you do it honorably, we will make you citizens of the United States. Do what? <laughs> how about how about no, Dick? We're gonna do a do a hard pass on that one. Illegal immigrants in our military? 
No way. Listen, this ties in perfectly to our uh, conversation yesterday about work ethic. It's been all, like two hours talking about work ethic. It was awesome. It's all I thought about yesterday. And this will be another, another uh, a victim of it. We're going to fill our military because no Americans will join. We're going to, or can, or would want to. But we're going to fill our military with a bunch of Venezuelans and Guatemalans. And you know what's going to happen? Now the military is going to become a job that Americans just won't do. Just like we're told, picking cotton, picking strawberries, being a maid in a hotel. It's just a job Americans won't do. So all these jobs out there that it's, it's unfathomable to hire an American to do these lowly immigrant jobs. And we're going to take that same principle and put it now on the military. We're going to make our military a job that Americans just won't do, no matter what you pay them. The U.S. Army, oh, that's, that's for the Guatemalans. We don't have Americans do that. That's amazing. That's what will definitely happen. Our U.S. Army will be full of illegal immigrants. Wow. Breitbart ran a story the other day. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, TikTok mutiny. So these people in uniform on deployment are making videos in uniform about how the military is horrible. And they're, they're sharing it through a Chinese propaganda app. Like the Chinese... Whoever came up with TikTok, <laughs> I wish I was there for the meeting of the Communist Party. They're like, hey, I got an idea. Let's come up with our own Instagram in America. And we'll get all these Americans to just make themselves total idiots. What do you mean? What would you? Well, uh, we'll like, they'll dance. We'll just have, I don't know, what's everyone dancing? And the Chinese are like, I don't, I don't see it. What do you mean? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. They'll just like waste time. We'll have their young kids spending hours and like eight hours a day on this on an app. We'll get we'll get we'll get it for free and they spend all day on it. And they won't ever read a book. They won't ever go outside. They won't ever talk to their family. It'll be good. We'll just completely destroy the soul of the nation. <laughs> They're like, I don't know if people will go for it. Watch dancing videos. Oh yeah, no, and they'll we'll have like uh, they'll be like cleaning videos. Like there'll be videos of people cleaning their house, and they'll do that, and uh, it'll be great. <laughs> like. There's no way they ever thought, oh, oh, and we'll have people in the military, United States military, talk about how horrible the military is, and we'll be sure to share that to everyone in the whole country. So no one ever want to be, join the military. That's like the TikTok pitch meeting. And they're like, okay, give it a go. I don't think anyone will really download it, though. It's like a bunch of idiots were like 12 hours a day on TikTok. So there's these videos. One says the cons of being in the military, no privacy, the pay stinks, bad food, disrespectful leadership, no sleep. Well, yeah. What do you, no privacy. What do you, this guy's on deployment when he's making a TikTok. One has a woman 
she said, she wrote, don't join the army. Let's just let the Guatemalans do it. Don't join the army until you're mentally prepared to be told you're going under overweight, treated like you're not a good soldier if you can't run two miles in 18 minutes or less. All right, quick time out here. Quick time out. That is very slow, by the way. A nine-minute mile is very slow. That is, that is a slow jog. Everyone in the military should be able to run a nine-minute mile. Okay, that's not, that's not a high bar. And I would venture to say, if you can't run two miles in 18 minutes, you are not a good soldier. There has to be standards for good soldiers. That would be what I find. I find 18 minutes to be so like that's it's pathetic that that is even the standard. And here's this chick saying, don't join the military because they'll treat you like you're a bad soldier. If you're so slow, you're you're like dragging the whole thing down. Kick her out immediately that she is gone. Dishonorable discharge. You're out of here. Nine minute mile. Over 60% of active duty service members are overweight or obese. 60%. She said, before you head to the recruiting office, watch this video. If you don't like your freedom being suppressed a little, then I wouldn't join the military. Yeah, no kidding. Americans 16 to 21. What percentage of Americans do you think that have considered joining the military? Considered. Right? This doesn't include whether or not you're eligible. 9%. 9%. Wow. So to bring it back to our conversation yesterday about work ethic, I think it ties in, I think it's the same thing. It's our, it's our prosperity. We've reached peak prosperity. And part of prosperity is this obsession with comfort. And the military is not comfortable. So nothing is going to be appealing about that kind of sacrifice that you have and you need to join the military. A sacrifice that makes me stronger doesn't matter. It's just, ah, that's uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. I think of uh, the movie Braveheart. By the way, I only ever cite two movies. Three. Three movies. It's all I ever... It's like the only movies I know, really. Not a big movie guy. I just We never grew up watching movies. So really, I only cite three movies. It's either Gladiator, Braveheart, or Rocky. That's it. Those are my three. I don't know any other quotes from any other movies. I don't know quotes. I, don't, I can't cite them. I will never apply any movie to anything else ever. It's the only three I got. So Braveheart, the, the, the son of the king, Prince Edward II, he's not just weak, he's, he's sickly looking. He's like pale and sick, like inbred. And there's a scene where the king throws his gay lover out the window and the son then tries to attack his dad <laughs> like in a pathetic way. He's like so unable, unable. He doesn't even know how to fight at all, right? And his dad just knocks him to the ground. 
And then the, the king goes back to his business. And he thinks, hmm, who should I send? I can't send you. The sight of my gentle son. He uses another word in the original, but not on TV. It's the other F word you're not allowed to ever say. The sight of my gentle son would only encourage an enemy to take over this country. It's like, I can't send you. I send you out, and our enemy would look at you and be like, oh, well, this will be a piece of cake. We are a nation of gentle sons. I hope that's not true. I hope... I hope that's just where we are now. I, I hope there is... There, there is a, there are battalions of Americans, of real Americans, of tough Americans, of strong Americans, of Americans who could run nine-minute miles, who love this country, who will fight for this country, who would step up and join the fight for this country. But they're just doing something else now, for whatever reason, for whatever noble reason. And that, if it hits the fan... They'll step up. I don't know. I hope that's true. But right now, what we're putting forward, not just in our military, but in general, we are a nation of gentle sons. And that ain't going to cut it. Back to Breitbart News Daily. We talked to Randy Clark, uh, Texas correspondent at the border for Breitbart.com. He's one of the best. And he shared some amazing stuff about the Texas SB4, which of course I'm in favor of, but he talked about some major limitations of it that it's like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. We're way, we're way off. Here's what he said. Randy, how are you, sir? I am not bad today, Mike. How are you? It's really good to talk to him. So uh, a couple days ago in San Diego, there were two Venezuelans who came across the border and they got a uh, asylum hearing on May 11th, 2028. And obviously that's ridiculous. And then yesterday went to Breitbart.com and uh, there was an even better date. How far out are we now? Well, so we're, we're into the 2030s now, uh, and it's just going to get worse. Uh, that docket has limitations depending on what state a person says that they're going to go to. Uh, every state maintains its own document, uh, its own docket for these court hearings. So in some states, that's where the 2031 is going to be. If you're going to that state, you might be looking at 2032, 2035 in, in a few short months. Uh, we are millions backlogged on that docket for removal hearings. Most folks will not show up for those hearings anyway. So you could put uh, 2090 on the date. They have no intentions of showing up anyway. January. But it's really literally free amnesty because as long as they are on that docket for 2031, Mm. they are untouchable by anybody. Yes, the longer the better for them in every way. Yeah, that's great. 2030. I have batteries that expire before 2031. 2031 is so. I've never even thought. I've never thought that number before. You know what I mean? Like I, no, I can't it's even. Amazing. 
contemplate that that's a thing that, that that I don't even consider those years yet. And and they're they're going that far. It's crazy. Um. So when we talked about Trump getting off the ballot in Colorado, got a bunch of calls. People like, oh, so what are we being distracted from? And uh, I don't know if everything's intentional about this or not, but the big story at that moment was that there's a record surge at the border right now. What are you seeing? Well, you know, there, we had a problem even getting the administration to call this a crisis a few years ago. It is an utter disaster right now. Uh, the Border Patrol is absolutely overwhelmed. There are thousands of people uh, being held outdoors in Eagle Pass and daily in Loopville, Arizona. Airports are, are just filled in those areas around San Antonio, Tucson, Phoenix, with uh, released migrants heading all over the country. TSA has set up a, an airport line to screen folks without ID and passports just to get oh, wow. folks out of the border region as fast as possible. And I saw that last week in Arizona. I just left Arizona two days ago. So Lukeville is a mess. Uh, and it even stretches beyond that. We've got ports of entry that are closed in Arizona, Texas. El Paso's rail line is closed. Eagle Pass's rail line is closed. And a lot of folks may think, well, what does that mean to me if I'm in middle America? It means hundreds of millions of dollars of merchandise are not coming into the United States. Produce, car parts, electronics, textiles. Uh, it is killing. It's going to have a big effect on the economy. And it's having an effect in Union Pacific is going crazy. I'm sure the automakers soon will start, uh, you know, griping about that and putting a lot of pressure to resume those rails coming from Mexico. When they do, that means more migrants. So all those bad things you just listed are are terrible. Um, But it's interesting, human nature. The one that makes me most angry, as bad as, as objectively bad as all those other things are from an analytical perspective. The one that makes me most angry is the TSA line where you don't need an ID. Right? Cause that's, that's the, that's where like bitterness comes in. It's like, what do you mean? They don't have to have an ID to get on an airplane. And we have to go through the indignity of taking off our shoes still to get on an airplane. You know? Well, yeah, the hypocrisy, it, it, it hurts, and it's a matter of frustration for you and I that are travelers. But the deeper issue is that when they do that special line, it's because they're going to get into the immigration databases when a person presents one of these orders to appear, dated 2031. And all they're going to be able to tell you is that's the same human that the Border Patrol released a few hours ago. That, that migrant has self-identified himself. We don't have a, a database to verify a person from, you know, Western Africa, China. We're just going to have to assume and take them on their word. Well, you're right. They're not going to take us on our word if we show up without ID. They're going to have to verify it some other way. But at least you and I have a history. They can look at criminal databases and they can decide, is Mike a bad guy? Well, he's never been arrested. And yes, he is from that state. And so we believe he is who he says. And you may be allowed to fly after a very long hassle. How about um, your article a couple of days ago? 13,000 special interest aliens coming across since October. I remember the special interest alien stuff. I remember it was, no, no, no. Okay, so there's two different things. You have this, no, no, uh, uh, correct me wrong. You have the people on the terror watch list. That's in the hundreds. And then you have people from, from special interest aliens. What, what's the difference between those? Well, the difference is those folks that are on the terror watch list We have some inclination, our intelligence community has some inclination to believe that this person 
is has ties to a terrorist organization. In the case of special interest uh, aliens, those are people whose countries are known for terrorism, and and the person may be a danger. The problem is, is, we, is if, as we have withdrawn from the Middle East, we've lost those intelligence capabilities. You know, we're no longer in Afghanistan. We don't have those folks on the ground and people helping us to figure out who in the region is actively participating in terrorism. All of the countries that are listed as special interest, they all have terrorism issues going on right now. The unlawful detentions of citizens, human rights violations, high crime, uh, and those folks, we really don't have time to vet them. That's the scary part. When I talk to the Border Patrol agents about this, their, their answer is, we don't have time to get anything more than basic biographical information. We don't have time to sit with somebody from you know, the People's Republic of China and say, why are you coming here? No, we're getting thousands of, of folks from the People's Republic of China every single month. <clears throat> oh, oh, way, way more than at any time in the history of the Border Patrol. We may have seen 3,000 in a year. We're seeing three to 4,000 per month. And it's all with the knowledge of the, the Chinese Communist Party. They have great exit controls. They know these people are coming. They're not bringing their families. Uh, so they're going to be dependent on uh, you know, that party to keep their families safe. So the, the Chinese Communist Party is going to have some leverage over these people because they have their families. They're not going to be dissidents here complaining about China's human rights violations. So why are they coming? Yes, it's an interesting yes. question. We don't know. Yeah, we, um, we talked earlier about this idea from the left. I don't know of any Republicans who support it, maybe, uh, to allow illegal immigrants into the military. <clears throat> and we already allow non-citizens into the military, about 5,000. I'd like an audit on that program, quite frankly. Um, just a couple months ago, there was a guy in San Diego from China who was spying. He was just arrested for spying uh, for China. And his mom, who lives in Wisconsin, knew about it and supported him and said, oh, this will be great for you because when you get out of the Navy, you can join the Communist Party in China and uh, you can be like high up there. So it's like, hold on. <laughs> the, the son lives in San Diego and the mom lives in Wisconsin. And they're spying against this country. It's crazy. And he's, he's, he wasn't a citizen. Like, what are we doing? Uh, but let me ask you about that, about illegal immigrants in our military. What, what is that thing? Well, I, I hope that doesn't grow legs. You know, we obviously know there's a push to, to let them vote, at least in some municipal elections. And that's just a first step. Uh, so the, the idea is absolutely ludicrous. Uh, one of the things, as you know, we all lift up our right hand and we swear to uphold the Constitution. Well, these folks that are coming in from a lot of countries, they lost their freedom years ago. Folks coming in from Venezuela don't know what freedom of speech means. They don't know what due process is. Uh, how in the world could they make that pledge honestly to defend your rights and my rights without understanding or appreciating or even caring if they exist? So on a number of, of different areas it's problematic well the first thing they did was lie to get in the first thing they did was break the law in this country now they're going to join the military give me a break um do you think biden so this the surge right now that's happening do you surge i feel like that's a media concocted term it's got to be a better word than surge i, I don't that doesn't fully encompass i don't think what's happening um so whatever's happening right now at the border do you think biden knows and doesn't care or knows and likes it or is intentional about it and said, hey, uh, now's a good time to have a big 
crisis. No one's paying attention. It's Christmas. Where, where, where do you think he is on that spectrum of awareness? Oh, right now, I think he's mentally absent. But I think when he was a little bit more coherent, he was very clear, even prior to the election, you know, during the debate, when he tells, you know, Univision that if I get elected, we need to immediately surge the border. And uh, and that's what's happening. This is this is not a, a global migration problem that was going to hit us anyway. This was by invitation. So it was definitely by design. But I think it's folks behind the scenes that are really actively pursuing this as a measure. There's people who, who want this to continue and want even more migration at the border. So it's definitely deliberate, uh, but it was by invitation. So uh, that's really the problem now. There was a regional method of some of these problems in the world solving themselves. Venezuela didn't start having problems last year. They've been having problems for decades. Mm. Colombia and some of the surrounding countries took millions of them in. Biden invited them to uproot from there and come over. So this is something that we brought upon ourselves as a country through through Joe Biden. You know, elections have consequences, like they say. Yep. Um, we talked to Neil Monroe the other day, and he mentioned in passing safe mobility offices. And I was like, what? 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 What's that? And he's like, oh, we don't really know. <laughs> they just they started them a couple months ago in these Latin South American countries as a way to cut out the smugglers and, and help people in other countries get here. Like we're the smugglers now. And I'm reading him from this website that's, that's pro immigration. And they, they admit they don't even know what it is. Like no one really knows what these are. Do you have any concept of this, this safe mobility office? They've set up a hundred of them. Well, so there, there are organizations worldwide, including the United Nations that you can find their paraphernalia in Mexico on the river bottom. Uh, once they started, you know, trying to preclude the media from filming this by putting up yellow ribbons and tapes and warnings and trying to keep us away on the U.S. side, I started going to Mexico to report this because, believe it or not, in Mexico, there seems to be more freedom of the press along the border to get what's going on. It's, I mean, obviously, it's a greater hazard and a danger to reporters. But to tell the story, you have to get the best, best vantage point. And the, the Mexican side is littered with paraphernalia not only from the United Nations, Doctors Without Borders, the American Red Cross, but also uh, organizations in Mexico called Amigos del Tren, which is Friends of the Train. And so the routes are clearly mapped. It tells you where every train, freight train in Mexico, is going to switch over and change directions and where to get on that train. Shelters nearby, places that you can get help. Uh, so those safe transit zones and organizations that are doing that, they are all over the place between the Darien Gap and here. Uh, so, that, so you don't really need GPS, even though most have cell phones. You can rely on those maps to get anywhere you want, and it gives you points of contact to help you to your next spot. Hmm. Tell us about this, um, the uh, bill in Texas. So we talked to the sponsor of the bill, and he gave us the rundown of it, but I'd, I'd like a reminder if you don't mind. And, and the ACLU, a bunch of other people sued so what's the current status of it right now? Well, you know, I, I think we're waiting to see what the, the DOJ is going to do under the Biden administration. They're surely going to appeal this as well. That, that law, I think, in my opinion, is going to be very problematic for the state because it, it, it takes that next jump into enforcing immigration law. There, there has already been an executive order where the state moves the migrants back to the border. That didn't mean across the border. That meant they got back to the border and they were turned over to the border patrol. 
And like all the rest, or most of the rest, they were released. So it didn't really do any good. This one already has some kind of presence. It's very hard to beat the federal government on the supremacy issue when it comes to immigration. Uh, in the Arizona, you know, 2012, the Supreme Court clearly laid that out. Justice Roberts was the chief justice then, and uh, and he didn't oppose, you know, overruling Arizona's law that said illegal presence uh, was going to be a crime in the state and seeking employment was going to be a crime in the state if you were an immigrant and you were not otherwise authorized. So there's going to be some legal issues there because a lot of people don't look at the at the technicalities of what crosses that border. You and I can't get prosecuted for illegal entry because we're United States citizens. The federal government has to prove that you are an alien. And that's pretty difficult because the thousands of pages of immigration law afford that if you're born during a certain year and one parent is a U.S. citizen and, uh, or the other, depending on what year it is, you may be a United States citizen. So trying to prosecute somebody for that crime and remove them or get them to agree is going to be an issue. The government deputizes sheriffs and police officers in, in municipalities all over the country to help out, but they're the safety net underneath, and they provide access to those databases that help you get to the point of proving somebody's an alien. But it's literally a day late and a dollar short. With 4,000 people crossing the border just in Eagle Pass almost every day, there aren't enough jails and there aren't enough officers and there aren't enough courts to present 3,000 criminal cases of illegal entry every single day. So this might have done some good if we already had a secure border to be one other deterrent. Mm. But even if it stands, uh, the federal government doesn't have the capacity to prosecute everybody that's crossing nationwide. 12,000 in a day, it's not going to happen. And as, and as, so, so you're saying, you're saying tax, taxes as SB4 is just not enough, you're saying? Yeah, it's not, it's not enough that even if it passes the muster of the Supreme Court. I don't think it will. Oh, wow. Uh, simply because the federal government's not providing that safety net of saying, we're going to help you establish that this person is, in fact, an alien before you decide to prosecute. Because remember, really? the defendant doesn't have to say a word. We have to, the government has to prove, the state will have wow, to prove that right. person into the legal. So the state has and, to and prove. So sorry, sorry, so the state has to prove that you're an illegal immigrant. How do you prove that someone is an illegal immigrant? So them, them being unable to prove they're a citizen is not enough. You, the state, has to no. prove they're not a citizen? Yes, that's, that's the standard of the federal law with the border patrol. And I supervise prosecutions for several years. I've presented cases in front of magistrates when there's not enough U.S. attorneys. And, you know, if the migrant pleads guilty, well, then you don't have a problem. But, but if they plead not guilty, then it's on the government to say, okay, here's how I know this person illegally entered. First of all, I have an officer that saw him, which means I have to take an officer off the street to come okay. testify in court. Okay. That officer is going to have to say, yes, I saw him. Here's how I remember him. Here's what he was wearing. Okay, well, is he an illegal alien? That's where the crux is. Because with a federal agent, I can say, well, look, I've, I interviewed him. This is where his parents were born. I have all our files from the Immigration Service, and he was deported four years ago. Well, then the state's not going to have that because the federal government doesn't want to cooperate with it. Under 287G, where we deputize sheriffs and, and police officers, we stand behind them with those documents and verify and say, yes, this officer has been trained in immigration law. 
those deputized under 287G have to go through four weeks of training. So the federal government is that security issue that doesn't bring up the supremacy because it's a joint effort. Biden doesn't want to jointly work with anybody to secure this border. That's the problem. Oh, that's unbelievable. I've never heard that. I've never heard that analysis of it. That's amazing. So you're right. And if you're doing that 3,000 times a day, so so the, so if you're a you're a state police officer or yeah Texas officer, and you go to court and you're like, he, I he, I saw him climb over the fence. Clearly, only an illegal immigrant would do that. That's not enough. Well, so in 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 the history of the border patrol, we've apprehended people swimming the river or crossing a fence who we find out two hours later is a United States citizen. What? Why would you do that and not just go to the port of entry? Well, believe it or not, some of these people don't know. They don't know. You know, there's a lot of people that have babies in Mexico. There's border patrol agents born in Mexico to U.S. citizen parents because they lived on the border and the hospitals were better at the time in the 1970s or they just wanted to pay less. And you're a United States citizen. You're you're a derivative because of who your parents are. If I go to Mexico and have a child... That child's a U.S. citizen, even though it's born in Mexico. So we've had some come over with their birth certificate, start looking at the records and say, well, where was your mom from? It says she's from Calexico, California. Yeah, she was from the United States. Okay. So you look at the record checks and you figure out, hey, look, the birth records show his mother is a United States citizen. Well, he is too. He just didn't know it. They just knew, hey, they moved back to Mexico. (laughs) And never came over. So it, it happens. It's, it's extremely rare. But the court's going to look at that rare as yeah. can we afford to, on a rare instance, violate folks' rights? And they're not going to touch it. It's oh, Chief Justice geez. Roberts has already said Arizona's law didn't meet muster. He's not going to – I don't think he's going to change opinions on this one. Oh, goodness. I haven't heard any of that. Jeez, Randy. Um, all right, last question for you. Uh, E-Verify. We went over some polls earlier. 61% of swing voters supported 64% of moderates. 80% of Republicans, 53% of Democrats. And I think it's like 64% overall. Uh, very rarely does anything get that much support. Uh, what are the legal challenges of E-ver- a federal E-Verify? Oh, I don't think there's any legal challenges. Uh, it, you know, we have laws on the books. It's based in law. The, the law says you have to qualify as an as a, a eligible person for, to work to work. This is just a system that monitors that. So E-Verify could be implemented nationwide if the federal government choose, chose to, to do that. It's, it's a government system that needs to be, you know, the, the availability needs to be put out there, but then they need to mandate it. They haven't done so. And that's so they, what happens every time there's a talk of amnesty is there's a bipartisan agreement on one party by one party, the Democrats, to get as many folks in and to legalize and then on the Republican side, there's measures in there to enforce the law. So what ends up happening is the amnesty part takes place and you legalize all these people. And then the enforcement part is never completed. Yeah. You know, the work authorization stuff, that was part of IMAC 1990. And so, so the laws are out there. You know, there's an I-9 form that you have to fill out it to prove that you're legally able to work. But it's not enforced. So a lot yeah. of people couldn't even tell you that. A lot of HR folks around the country are not doing that. Yeah, and, I remember I had no to do enforcement. Yeah, I had to do that. I had to fill out one of those forms once. And I was like, wait, what? Is this like an e is this an e verify for me? Like what what is I thought this isn't even a thing. Yeah, that is super that is crazy.
Um, all right. Well, and there's Re- sanctions if you didn't. You know, your company could be fined if they didn't do that. But now there's no enforcement of ICE on any on any type of removals except for the most heinous of, of, of crimes. Yeah. Randy Clark, Breitbart News, Texas border reporter. Randy, Merry Christmas. Thank you, sir. Same to you, Mike. Bye-bye. Good day. Thanks for listening to Breitbart News Daily. Uh, we did all of our Christmas segments today as well. That's uh, the, the end of the first hour and the end of the third hour. We did our uh, our Christmas celebration, our Christmas spectacular segments. So you can check that out if you uh, subscribe to SiriusXM. Uh, I'm off next week, but the great Brett Winterbull, good friend of mine, Brett Winterbull, will be filling in. And we'll see you at the beginning of the new year. Have a wonderful Christmas. Mike Slater, Breitbart News Daily. Spread the word. <laughs>